Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Ashes of the Imperium, a 40k podcast from sunny England. My name is Dan and tonight I'm joined by our very special guest, Alex Hearn, who is the UK technology editor for the Guardian newspaper. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. No, that's quite right. Thank you for joining us. Rather than me introduce you, apart from that brief line about uh, that you're a tech editor for a newspaper, why don't <laughs> tell, tell us about yourself. Who are you, Alex? Why are you here? Um, <laughs> why do well, you think yeah, you're I, here? <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope I'm here to have a nice chat about Warhammer. Um, yeah, I am, I am the, the UK tech editor for The Guardian, um, and I've been at their newspaper for five years now. Um, I, I'm here most proximately because I uh, wrote a feature about Warhammer for the G2 magazine, uh, which is The Guardian's kind of uh, well, news magazine that we, we run on the side every day. Uh, just just looking at the state of the the hobby right now, I think I was picked for it partially because there is still a bit of an attitude in in newspapers like The Guardian that uh, technology is nerdy and other things are nerdy, and so the technology nerds will be able to write about all of the other nerdy things as well. That which makes is, absolute sense. <laughs> I mean, for, fortunately, in my case, it is also true. Um, I am. I, I. I always think of myself as someone who has uh, quite a wide but shallow nerdiness. In that, you know, looking over my my bookshelves now, I've got uh, a fair few comics. I've got some RPG source books. I've got uh, board games covered in the next room. I've got a couple of amiibo on a shelf somewhere. I've got some Star Wars X-wing miniatures on a shelf somewhere. I play video games, but none in particular that I play. You know, it's that sort of life, yeah, right? Yeah. I am I am ecumenical in my nerdiness, um, and really, as as a result of writing uh, this article and spending a couple of weeks just uh, just poking around the the Warhammer world a bit more intently and purposefully than I than I had in a long time, uh, I'm now adding Warhammer to that that quiver. Um, I'm I'm sort of slowly dipping my toe back in. 40k uh i've got my first still even unassembled uh model and an elder archon uh sitting on my desk and yeah you know this looks fun doesn't it oh it, it is and and you know <laughs> you are i suppose you are your foot is hovering over the edge of the cliff you've taken the step but you've yet to put it down and when that foot exactly. goes down there, there's no ground underneath it and you'll <laughs> we'll be we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll see you at a tournament in like six months time and you'll be like Dan, I've got 17 armies over three different systems. What have I done? <laughs> ah, help me. No, oh. I mean, the, the saving grace is I do live in a moderately sized flat in London. So uh, I think I think everyone I know who plays Warhammer has has some constraint like that, whether it's budgetary or time. With me, it's space, I think. But anyway. Space. Oh, yes. Well, I'm, I'm very lucky to have a, have a little nerd loft in my house where uh, <laughs> I can hide all my hobby toys and uh, my wife reprimands me when they start appearing downstairs. <laughs> so yes you mentioned the article and before we've got a few questions about you know what it's like as a as a returning player but you mentioned the article mm-hmm. so so let's talk about that where did where did that come from whose idea was it and you know tell us a story about um, that so so it's actually it was one of the g2 commissioning editors who who spotted uh in the financial pages um that games workshop is as a business doing extraordinarily well you know there was there was this story towards the end of towards the beginning of 2018 about the company uh, being the best performing stock in the FTSE 250. Um, and then this year, again, it, it's returned another set of astronomical profits and, and it's a retail stock. And the, the narrative nationwide is that the high street's being hammered. And yet you have 
Games Workshop, which in the eyes of the, the business pages is a, a high street retailer that is doing phenomenally well. And so G2 wanted me to write a piece kind of explaining why that was. What is it that that has meant that Games Workshop has bucked that trend? And I think that, you know, the, the, the simple answer to the question they put to me is that Games Workshop isn't really in that sense a retailer and its success doesn't have a huge amount to do with the high street as we see it. But in the process, it just meant that I got to speak to a lot of fans, a few critics, um, and just, you know, ask the question, what, what's Games Workshop doing right now? What's what's changed over the last uh, five years or so that's meant that it's just having such a phenomenal renaissance? It is. And I th- certainly as someone that's been kind of much like yourself, I took a, a break from the hobby, you know, a kind of college university age time Mm -hmm. and then i kind of got back into it as a as a young adult i guess following university and Mm. um and certainly for me i'm seeing this transition from within side the tent let's say and it's fantastic i think it's fantastic um one of the things that i think is quite interesting i don't know how many of your listeners are sort of english versus american i guess primarily but i i feel like games workshop is a bit more um, omnipresent in the English mind, or certainly in the mind of, of uh, British British nerds, right? Mm. Uh, I, I, for me at least, that's very much been my history with 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 the company, with the hobby. Um, I grew up in Shepherd's Bush, which, if you don't know, London is is right next to Hammersmith, right next to the uh, first the ever first Games Workshop store. Yeah. Exactly, and and when I was a kid, um, the Hammersmith branch was still not anymore the flagship the company had moved to nottingham by then you know the, the, the big relocation had happened but uh it, it still had a few things that you know made it clear that it, it had some of that history including as i mentioned in the piece uh, an entire ultramarines chapter which to to 12 year old me was just this awe-inspiring display and something i didn't fully understand i went through a good period of thinking that was a warhammer army like <laughs> seven eight hundred space marines uh all arranged neatly and i it well alex the alex pro- to some of us that is a warhammer <laughs> army, yeah <laughs> exactly but it made the prospect of me ever having a full army seem even more unattainable than it ever had been but no and, and because of that like um even though i was out of the hobby uh from uh sort of early teens because again as i say in the um article i literally lost my army in one fell swoop when a shelf collapsed and and crushed them um i was never fully sort of disconnected from what was happening in the uh, the warhammer world and in games workshop more generally um my my direct uh access to it was was licensed products so i played a few games i played things like dawn of war the, the pcrts um I've that's, that's, played a crack, some of the, that's a cracking game isn't it that's a cracking game even better are the, are the board games uh chaos in the old world and forbidden stars are both absolutely fantastic uh games in their own right regardless of their their uh licensed content regardless of the affection i have and had for for warhammer and for 40k so so i was always you know very close to it which i think is quite a, a british thing I, I get the sense that in the states games workshop is more of uh you kind of have to be a bit in the miniatures wargaming world before you really start to know what a space marine is or why um 
the Iron Throne wants blood so much. Whereas for me, that was always something I knew, sort of a, a, a point of contact that I now, could Alex, track to other I, I, When you friends. say the Iron Throne needs blood, I assume you mean the Skull Throne of Corn. No, you're, 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 you're mixing up your IPs. And, this, and if there's one thing that's <laughs> going to annoy Warhammer people. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Right, this, this is this is this We'll, is the we'll forgive level. you because you're only uh, two weeks ha- back in. <laughs> <laughs> I could half drop half-remembered phrases that, <laughs> that have generally been picked up through this sort of uh, subcultural osmosis, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I had to jump in. Otherwise, we'd have no. people writing in on Twitter to us. So. <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned that your army, and you mentioned it in the piece as well, that mm-hmm. your Necron army was destroyed in a bit of a, a house, mm. ha- household accident. What what made you <laughs> not want to continue? You know, What made you not buy another, start buying another army? Um, I think that is the simple answer uh, that will presumably be quite recognisable to a lot of other people. It's It was really expensive, and it still is really expensive. And uh, I think at, at that age, the idea of buying, you know, a, a box every six months or so um, and not being able to play Warhammer again for another year or two while I literally built up a new army uh was 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 unappealing and um i think in hindsight i probably pivoted into video games quite a bit more at that point um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't ever a a conscious decision and i think if that hadn't happened i don't know whether i'd have stayed in or or fallen out um you know if, if we're doing complete uh hypotheticals uh the the friends i played warhammer with all dropped out about 18 months later anyway so i think i think my story would have been much the same as yours anyway Mm. that that there is a childish way to connect with the hobby and there is uh, a way to reconnect with the hobby in adulthood and i think it's quite hard to shift between the two um naturally steadily yes exactly. especially like at that age in you know as, as uk kids um you know we have our a-level exams that help us get into university mm-hmm. uh you know life get, starts getting a little bit more serious doesn't it at that point yeah um and and also you know that is that is the narrative of me with all of my geeky hobbies i read comics as a child and then i got back into them when i was about 19 at university I played a lot of video games as a child and then kind of stopped playing them at university and got back in at 20. You know, there's not really anything because it's hard. It is hard to to carry something through from uh, the the way you connect with it as a child to the way you connect with it as an adult. And I think it's often easier to get back in than to try and make that transition. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I think I completely agree with that. Um, So... Kind of last last question on the article, really. What, how have mm-hmm. you found the reception? Because we're it was published on the tw- Monday, the twenty first of January. We're mm-hmm. now on uh, Thursday, the thirty first of January, and it's had th- nearly fourteen thousand shares and it just has. just under a thousand comments. It's it's always lovely. Like I love um, using my position to kind of try and get some mainstream coverage for things that that don't often get it, and and uh, I think. Generally, the, the, the coverage has, has the, the reaction has reflected that. It's been people very happy to see a fond uh, and non-sneering, which is something that I often find that, that topics like Warhammer get when they get mainstream press is, you know, slightly arch and better than it all. I think just, just getting something that is 
not quite from inside the tent, but from absolutely understanding what the inside of the tent is like, getting that into the mainstream press, a lot of people have really, really bonded with that. I did get some people uh, who who were unhappy with it. The, the thing that always surprises me, and I get it with a lot of other topics with dedicated fan bases, are the dedicated fans who are angry at you for not being harder on the topic. So as in, there were a few people who were very angry that it felt like it was almost paid for by Games Workshop, which is... <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> is Games Workshop going to pay for an article and call it heroin for middle-class <laughs> exactly. nerds? Like, let's yeah, be we're... realistic. <laughs> but um, but I do, you know, it is, it is a thing. Obviously, if you are inside the hobby, Games Workshop has its positives and its negatives. But if you're trying to write an article for a mainstream audience explaining why Games Workshop is so popular so profitable and broadly loved uh it doesn't really make sense to go into too much depth about things like the controversy spawned by edge of sigma and bearing in mind you know the catalyst for this this article was why is this retail business doing so well in the current economic climate and like you say, yeah. that that doesn't equate to, oh, well, they got the rules wrong for the uh, Eldar, exactly. you know, Warwalkers, and they've been dominating the tournament scene and they need fixing. You know, that's just <laughs> not, like, that's not what this article's about, is it? Right. So it, it's it's an affectionate um, retelling of of why people love it. And I and I do think that's important because certainly, uh, you know, my, my editor was someone who, uh, the, the first notes that I got back on the first draft were, were genuinely things like, Alex, this is this is great, but you've not actually explained, um, is this a game? Do you play it? And I, and I hadn't, right? I hadn't actually said anywhere in the article that, that Warhammer is a tabletop war game, that you play with dice and tape measures and miniatures and rule books. I'd, I'd assumed that people knew that, but people don't know that. And, and it's... Um, it's always interesting to me when I have to write about this sort of thing for um, a mainstream audience with <laughs> mainstream editors uh, and just realizing that things that I take as assumed knowledge really aren't. Mm. Yeah. And, and like you say, you know, passionate fan bases, um, I, you know, we've seen it with the Star Wars sequels. Uh, we've seen it with anything to do with, you know, Marvel comics when they start changing things that people are passionate about. Um, it, you know, there's always going to be people out there that, get upset because maybe you haven't appreciated it as much as they have or, or you've misinterpreted something or you know perception's different um, but mm. also there's, there's always going to be people and, and there are still people out there that just hate on games workshop you know because they I know they destroyed the old world and you know how dare they or or they're not doing things right now and you know and some people make a uh, you know that's their kind of that's their thing they uh i mean the they use is, the you negativity know, to you know, their hobby is being negative about games workshop which exactly. is exactly so... and, and i'm i'm standing here and staring at like a wall of marvel comics and um some wizards of the coast rpgs like i know what it's like to have a fraught relationship with the very large company that creates the cultural product that you love and does things that you don't love it's yeah. it's odd you know there there is there is no warhammer without games workshop full stop but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything games workshop does is good for warhammer and i accept that but at the same time i don't think a guardian reader who's learning about warhammer for the very first time over their conflicts in the morning really needs that uh, to, to complicate their picture of the company 
Now, if only this was in the written written word, because you could have totally written cornflakes with a KH, like the chaos god, and this would, that would have, let's just assume that was intentional. And that joke would absolutely not have been received well by the Guardian reader reading over their cornflakes. They wouldn't have picked up on the Iron Throne thing, if only. I have no doubt that the Guardian subeditors would have just corrected it as a typo and not even told me. Fair enough. Let's talk about the hobby. You know, you're you're getting back mm-hmm. in. How how different does it seem? And you've alluded to the fact that you're aware of the uh, the Age of Sigma, you know, mm. release, uh, and maybe we could talk a little bit about that later. But how different does the game seem now compared to when you left? Well, it? Um, so the game itself, it's hard for me to say. I uh, I was not a strategic player. Let's put it that way. When I left, I was I was a child, and for me. Um, Warhammer was very much about me and my friends line up models at either end of the table, run them towards each other as fast as we can, and try and roll as many dice as possible. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of how I do it now, still. <laughs> but you know, that's just a secret between me and you. Don't tell anyone. Um, but yeah, so that means that kind of the the specifics of what has changed between I think I came in at fifth edition uh, of of forty k. I, I would have to sort of dig out my old uh, core rulebook and, and compare text to, to spot the differences. For me, the, the bigger thing has been that it's much easier to actually get started, uh, both in terms of the, you know, I'm sure we'll get onto it, things like the retail environment, things like uh, the way the game gets packaged up, but also very very simply like i uh i i vividly remember as a kid um picking up the core rulebook and a bunch of necron models and being so confused as to why there was nothing about necron in the rulebook because necron had come out after the fifth edition rulebook had been published and that and that was that like they they were added to the game later and they weren't in the rulebook and I just sat there for a long time until an older friend was like, oh, no, you've, you've got to get the codex as well. I feel like the Modern Games Workshop has, has avoided that sort of thing. And, and a big part of that is the existence of the Internet, that it means that the company can communicate with players in ways that aren't retail staff or large hardcover books. And mm. that's a huge, huge way of lowering the barrier to entry. And the barriers to entry, there are, you know, just looking at 40k as an example, there are kind mm-hmm. of four barriers that you can choose to enter under. You've got the, <laughs> exactly. the £95 Dark Imperium set with the, the full core rulebook. You know, it's mm-hmm. even got the full hardback rulebook in it, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Then you go down to £50, No No Fear, uh, you know, the second starter set, which uh, you don't have as many models and you don't get the full rulebook. And then you've got First Strike, a £25 little small set. And then even all the way down to getting started with Warhammer 40k for five quid, you know, that kind of glossy yeah. magazine thing with a with a free space marine or, you know, not free, obviously yeah. pay five quid for it. But, um, <laughs> you know, so you can you can pick your entry point and whether it's, you know, a, a nephew's birthday present that you're getting for get him this huge set for his birthday because he's a, you know, a, a kid and I think I think I want to get this. Or you think, do you know what, I'll only do it for 25 quid. I don't like him that much, you know. <laughs> exactly and i think like that is that is brilliant um i i remember i did get i had the warhammer fantasy battle uh a big box set that came with uh 
oh, Bretonians as and one of the men. factions and Lizardmen as the other. So, so you know, obviously they were still doing this then, but that didn't come with a rulebook, for instance, as, no. as best I recall. Um, so it was just a, a big box of miniatures, which was perhaps why I never, ever did a Warhammer Fantasy battle uh, battle. I think I, life, do you know, I, I never actually owned that one myself, but maybe it must have had like it must have had starter rules, but then you had to buy the core rule book separately, and then it must, later yeah. editions they had like the mini rule books in there, which were kind of paperback distilled versions of just mm-hmm. the rules, but none of the kind of background and law. And now you've got to a point where they're including essentially the the core rule book, yeah, in the main box and a, and a ninety four page thing. And I mean, I that said, I have approached this from completely the wrong way. The first thing I bought was. A single miniature of an Eldar Autark. The second thing I book was the the second thing I bought was Codex Craftworlds. I am just being obtuse here, and I'm aware that it's absolutely not the right way to jump back into something. But but you have that choice, as you know, as, as, like you say, you enjoy things differently as an adult. And do you know mm-hmm. what? If if buying a single model and and getting a couple of paints, and then um, you know, f- flicking through the lore and reading it and thinking, do you know what, this is quite cool. If that's how you want to enjoy the hobby, then go for it. You know, exactly, no exactly. You can enjoy it in your own way because you know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I mean, this this is this is this is my hope. I actually uh, the 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 big problem that I have is a I have a really decades long running uh, dislike of Space Marines. Um, so everything that is built for new players in 40k really doesn't appeal to me yeah because games workshop has correctly got that space marines are their big crossover brand and the thing that that a lot of people gravitate to but it means i I don't want to buy any of the starter kits because i really don't want space marines i'm just gonna google because wake (laughs) wake the dead i don't think it's Mm -hmm. produced by games workshop anymore but you might be able to find it in a um in like an independent store Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a few good ones in london i'm sure um the Wake the Dead was a 40k starter set which included a starter primary Space Marines army versus an Eldari mm-hmm. army. There we go. And, and that, it, you know. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find you the link for it and uh, send it to you on, <laughs> on Twitter. But uh, yeah, it Please came, do. came with like a, a Spirit Seer, a 10 man squad of Guardians, five Wraith Guard, and a Wave Serpent. Oh, that'd be that'd be nice. But then, you know, the the probably the next thing I'll do actually, uh, really doubling down on being obtuse, is pick up the uh Drakari codex because oh, of course i yeah you know i i, I it, it's it's that thing right i want to uh i want to be absolutely sure that i'm committing to the right army when i commit oh definitely. I, I, I don't really want two armies so it's it's the negative way of looking at it is it's choice paralysis um and i should just buckle down and start something and if i don't like it i can switch later on the positive way is that i, I get some lovely reading material some lovely lore some lovely color and, and, the, and um, they are lovely, aren't they? Those new codexes. They are. No, they are. They, it is. It is fantastically produced. Um, I, I, I keep. I keep coming back to comics, but it is wild to me that uh, Games Workshop, a company that makes miniatures, also makes nicer physical objects than the trade paperbacks from Marvel that I buy to read comic books. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre. Well, interestingly, you don't even have to choose between Eldari and Drukari now because. <laughs> You can well, yeah. include them in the same army. I know. So this is this is this is actually the one of the only two complaints that I've uh, I, I've I've slightly felt since I started playing, which is that uh, the the I, I knew about the, the concept of a reborn army before I uh, before I bought anything. Uh, part of the reason why I 
went for Eldar was I really liked the idea of being able to, to uh, well, not have to pick between Eldari and Drakari. And sure enough, Codex Craftworlds says there are rules for the Reborn Army in another publication. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, what what publication? Genuinely, can you on this podcast tell me where the rules for Reborn Armies actually are? Yes, it is in Index Xenos 1 or 2. <laughs> Oh, you know. So, in other words, even you can't quite tell. Can't me. quite remember. That's, Index Xenos. Index Xenos number one includes <laughs> uh, rules for Craftworlds, Drakari, Yunari, which are your uh, um, your crossover, your crossover, and also uh, Necrons and Harlequins as well. The obviously <gasps> the fourth. So you could have <sighs> you could have an army of Craftworlds, Drakari, and Harlequins. Call them Yunari. Oh. Call them Yunari, and uh, well, and then also. In fact, well, in fact, you don't even need to do a Yunari army to do that. You can have a Craftworld detachment, a Drukari detachment, and a Harlequin detachment because they've all got the same. They've still got uh, the Eldari keyword to bind them together. There we go. Perfect. Lovely. And the Harlequin models are super cool. This is the thing. I mean, the Harlequin models are they? They look lovely. The downside is um, painting. Painting, yeah. painting lots and lots of <laughs> tiny diamonds. That's why there's a grey Harlequin's army right next to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Um, I remember one of so one of the um, people I interviewed for the piece, Kieran Gillen, um, has talked about how one of the sort of things that is way too uh, inside baseball to have made it into the piece, but one of the things that Games Workshop has done well over the past few years is really just sit down and go okay, what are our intro armies and how can we design the sculpts and the color schemes and the armies from the ground up to be broadly easy to paint? Like ultramarines are perfect for beginners. You, you paint a space marine blue, you do highlights and lowlights, and then you whack a few accents on top and, and you're done. And Harlequins are not that. Harlequins are the uh, other end of the, uh, the they painting are, spectrum. They are the other end, exactly. One of the, and, you know, that's one of the things that attracted me to um to the elder archon actually was of all of the large single sculpts that i could get um that was one that was large quite nice quite quite cool looking and yet most of the paintings you you pick a base color and a highlight color and you go hog wild and this is the 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 autark isn't it the the winged autark yes the the the, yeah yeah the winged winged autark um glorious lovely model and also as you say lots of armor so, Lots of armor, so <laughs> relatively easy to paint, uh, but also with a bit of interest. You know, it's not just flat. You know, kind of. You know, obviously the social aren't flat, but they're kind of flat panels, aren't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, no, I, 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 I love the um, elder aesthetic and the, and and to a certain extent the Drakari aesthetic. Although I think I that's one where I want to pick up the codex and really flick through to to have a look at how to give it my spin, as it were. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So have you explored the kind of additional media channels, whether that's Games Workshop podcasts on YouTube, Twitch, Warhammer TV on Twitch, uh, and even independent podcasts or, or YouTube channels? To a certain extent, yeah. I mean, um, Warhammer TV has already been my go-to for um, actually the painting tutorials, a lot of it. Um, and then I uh, early on in writing the piece, I sat through a few of them um, just because a lot of one of the things that people had said was that uh, Games Workshop has been just much better at um, communicating, mm. at, at having having this public face 
but at the same time, right now, um, yeah, for, for obvious reasons, there is not uh, a regular publication which is completely aimed at absolute novice uh, novices to the hobby because you would grow out of that quite quickly and the, the audience is for the people who are really into it rather than the people who are just getting into it. Mm. And often, you know, you don't tend to, you or one, one might not uh, search for a specific podcast on iTunes that's only for newbies. Uh, exactly because the most popular ones probably aren't going to be those ones so the ones that come up in your google search probably aren't going to be the ones that are designed you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a bit of a exactly a exactly. tricky market to break into i guess um and you know you mentioned that you're kind of you you've picked eldari because they're not super easy to paint but they're not turbo complicated you know would you say mm-hmm. you are like a how are you going to approach this as like a hobby you know would you say you're a hobbyist a painter you know you're going to get competitive gaming so as my 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 sort of short-term goal is um to play some kill team which i think is this thing and it uh, it looks like an absolutely fantastic game um i'm really pleased to see games workshop uh getting back into the swing with box games i uh i I am a huge space hulk fan that's one of the things that kind of um kept my games workshop connection ticking over uh in the years before this month um and and you know and, and everything I've heard about Kill Team suggests that it's doing a perfect job of being that hybrid between a boxed game that you can play with you know other people who have miniatures and something that can grow into a 40k size mm. hobby. And yeah, you know, most obviously, it's wonderful that they're the same miniatures. That's you know, in some ways, that's a very consumer friendly move. In other ways, obviously, Games Workshop is well aware that if you can turn around to someone and go, hey, you've already got 10 40K miniatures. All you need to do is buy uh, another 990 more. and then you've got a chapter. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that's um, that's a really smart way of, of them doing it. Uh, you know, The question for me is whether I have an Eldari or Drakari kill team. Uh, but that's, but yeah, that's I, a great opportunity for you to explore that, isn't it? You know, you're thinking, exactly. do I do Eldari or Drakari for 40K? Why don't I have a, you know, like a small 10 person team for each and then see which one you enjoy playing with, which one you enjoy painting the most, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly, and then that's exactly your decision that. made, you know. It's it's a bit of a shame. I would, um, in terms of what I like the most, I would love if I could uh, begin with playing lots of Kill Team, then step up to painting, then step up to collecting, then step up to 40K. But as it is, I, I am... A perfectionist and i will do the painting first you know i'm <sighs> probably not going to field a fully gray kill team army or, good, or good purple, good depending man. on what, what they may be um but yeah no that does mean that it'll be a good few months before i actually play a game <laughs> such such is life there's plenty you know there's no shame in playing with uh with bare plastic models as long as you're making progress i guess no i hope i hope i hope that's true <laughs> and so um Here's, I guess, one that's kind of slightly work-related. So as the mm-hmm. technology editor, um, what do you think to the idea of board games or war games, uh, war games being threatened by technology? You know, whether that's mm. computer games taking customers away or 3D printers taking revenue away. It's something that's been, I guess, spoken about as a bit of a bogeyman in the past but yeah. hasn't yet materialised. So I I think, so the the latter is the, the quicker, simpler one. Um, I think 3D printers 
enabling piracy in um, uh, miniatures gaming in particular was never a, a likely prospect. Um, in my eyes, desktop 3D printing is is not mainstream. And if anyone was honest five years ago when it was the buzzword, it was never going to become mainstream. There, there fundamentally are not that many small plastic things that people have in their lives who are not miniatures gamers. The other side of things, though, uh, whether or not they affect you know, how, how people play, whether computer games take customers away, that, that sort of things. I think it's the exact opposite. I actually think um, miniatures gaming and, and more broadly uh, board games and tabletop games are, are really being benefited by, um, by technology, by, by computing and networking. Um, it's, it's both that video games are a good uh, way into gaming in general i think they you know they they are obviously far more popular than, than board gaming or tabletop gaming is and they, they probably always will be but they 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 get people used to the idea of playing games and then almost everyone i know who plays tabletop games with any regularity has a i think some experience in, in video games because in, in 2019 lots and lots of people have experience with video games and um, tabletop gaming is, is only helped by that, that huge potential pool of people. And it's the very physicality, it's the very offline nature of it that I think makes it so appealing to so many people. The ability to be playing a game with your friends in the same room, to have physical tactile objects to hold, to be able to collect something that is actually extant in the physical world. Th those are all appealing things that are appealing precisely because they are not technical they are not technology and you, you know, i guess most... you're seeing you're seeing a shift to that in you know f how we use phones you know instagram i think you can you can get a a timer that tells you how much how many hours you spent on instagram in a day and you know i think apple, exactly. apple are you know putting ways to where you can have your phone start to go darker and turn off towards the end of the night mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing um and I think people want people, to be people want to be exactly they, they, they can't because they've got to get those those extra likes but like uh, <laughs> you know they want to do something and here's a great comment from someone on your article so yeah I know a lot of people that got immense pleasure out of Warhammer an absorbing pretty harmless hobby involving gaming with in other individual real people in real time with armies mm -hmm. that you have painted yourself could be worse you know and I think that's that's kind of got a point it's you know, this isn't just spending hours and hours grinding, killing boars in a forest in World of Warcraft, <laughs> which actually once you've once you've done that, you're like, oh, I've spent hours doing this. What, what have I actually, what have I created? Yeah, you've created a better yeah. character in a game, but there's nothing, like you say, there's nothing tangible and physical. Yeah. And then at the same time, the other thing that, that uh, technology has done for tabletop gaming is created these communities. Um, it's meant that, you know, on the one hand, it's easy to find people to play with. It's easy. It, it's harder than ever to to pick up a a niche hobby and think you're the only person in the world who does it. It's it, Games Workshop has always historically been good at getting around that, even pre-internet. You know, that physical retail presence let the company become a, a hub for its own players. But nonetheless, the, you know, the fact that I can immediately go on facebook or meetup or just shout out on twitter and go hey where can i take a kill team and play in london next thursday and, and get an answer that's 
hugely helpful for for anyone wanting to get into the hobby and i think it, you know even society is becoming like geek culture is becoming more mainstream and isn't it you know um absolutely you just look at how you know call of duty is now such a it's a household name mm-hmm. um and you know is there a point in the future where um you know saying i play warhammer is going to be met with people thinking you do what in your mother's basement you unwashed <laughs> you know you know like that kind of all those kind of terrible cliches you know yeah um, you know, maybe there is a place like that. And, you know, if you look at how, how well StarCraft does in certain parts of the world, uh, how League of Legends, you know, the, the sort of eSports um, kind of, you know, scene is, is is expanding. You know, is there a place for something like that for Warhammer? I know Ben Curry, who's, uh, you know, occasionally joins us on the podcast. Um, he runs something called the, uh, the, the Age of Sigma Masters. And it's something that he's looking to do next year is run a kind of, a, a large event where it's broadcast people get involved there's an audience you know it's, mm. it's something other, other people have talked about as well but you know is that the future for warhammer you know and and i think that can only be a positive thing because it brings in more people to the hobby um uh, you know more people enjoying something that we enjoy is always a good thing yeah exactly uh i there's I, it's very helpful for me to see how there's a, a downside for existing players of warhammer and, and 40k and, and games workshop properties in general it's hard to see how how it could be bad to have more people in the hobby i i am well aware that there are nonetheless many people who would like it to stay small and to not not go mainstream but it's it's nice doing something that other people like as well i mean i think that the biggest hope for for people who want warhammer to, to break out is is the recent history of dungeons and dragons which more even than Warhammer, I think, has has historically been a uh, a shorthand for people wanting to invoke a particular sort of nerdy aesthetic. And yet, it's not mainstream. It's absolutely not gone mainstream yet. And I'm, I'm uh, I hope one day it will be. But but it has exploded in popularity over the last five or so years, sort of concurrently with with Games Workshop, and it's gained. I, it's gained sensitive mass media portrayals, which I think is a, a big, big deal. So I, I mentioned things. it in my article. Yeah, Stranger Things um, community is another obvious one. Shows on mainstream television that shows people playing Dungeons and Dragons and having fun, and they are supposed to be sympathetic characters, which it's, you know, that that's that's kind of new, actually, because it has been this shorthand for nerdiness for so long, Ex- you know, except in, in, in the heydays of its sort of faddish, faddishness in the, in the 80s, um, it, it's good to see it coming back round. And I, I absolutely think that it won't take, it wouldn't take much of the same sort of sympathetic portrayal of Warhammer and of, of Games Workshop to, to see it just gently tipping over into something that is not mainstream, but I guess kind of, geek mainstream if that yeah. makes sense yeah no I, I think i think there is so so if there's some tv producers out there listening maybe we can uh, <laughs> we can influence them to include uh warhammer on the next episode of um you know the next season of stranger things or or whatever it might absolutely. be absolutely yeah exactly <laughs> so um let's let's go we're getting awfully serious now aren't we let's talk about let's talk about toy soldiers Bree. what what drew you to eldari apart from the kind of painting thing was it was you know, you mentioned you had a Necron army before, and you're not a huge fan of Space Marines. But what made you pick Eldari? 
Um, so like the the absolute proximal answer was me sitting there halfway through uh writing this article and going yeah I, I really do want to actually pick up some warhammer like or doing all of this doing all of these interviews are reminding me that it's cool it's fun i like it and i want something and then it was just a case of uh kind of wanting to not dive in to dip my toe in as gently as possible pick up pick up a single figure uh paint it have it and then go did that feel good do i want to do that yeah probably um and so you know it was it was the uh i i, I drop a short list of i think adeptus uh mechanicus mechanicus <laughs> That that's not that's not lack of knowledge. That's lack of I just can't say. Admech. Um, there we go. Um, yeah, there, there was there was a figure from that army. There was the uh, the Elder Autark, and then there was there was a, a Drakari figure as well. And I and, and those three were three um, armies that I I like the the look of i like the the ethos of you know there, there are some armies that i didn't look at I've, I've never really been a fan of orcs i've never been a fan of the tau there are a few armies that i genuinely don't know and whether that's because they weren't around 20 years ago or just i wasn't really keeping up with them 20 years ago i don't know and then there's armies that frankly just look really hard to paint <laughs> so i kind of skip past them uh the um tyranids are, are brilliant but i, I can't imagine tyrannies look that good if they are a largely flat color <laughs> running across an entire army so i kind of stayed clear of that and then yeah i, w- I went for aldari because um i decided i didn't want to play a human race and i wouldn't be able to paint the drukari <laughs> which is a so, simple one and that left uh, fair enough that's, that's that, 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 that left that left there we go that there left we the go. archon one 16 pound <laughs> figure small enough to fit on my uh my, my shelf where the x-wing miniatures are being uh evicted put on ebay and replaced slowly with some games workshop figurines excellent <laughs> oh, we've we've all been there I, I dabbled with a bit of x-wing i got really massively into the sort of first edition um it's a it's a very good game, it's a cool I, so game. I, I, I yeah I, pl- I played first edition of that as well um and yeah there's, there's a lot to like about it i've just never really had a strong emotional connection with star wars mm. firstly so it's not it's not the sort of game that that's perfect if you if you lack that and then it doesn't have the community in in london at least there's there's not quite enough people playing it for me to feel like i'm part of a a big team i'm sure you and i will get lots of tweets of people saying yeah come to come to this pub we play x-wing miniatures on this day but i'm I'm sorry that they're already on ebay (laughs) (laughs) so here's 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 one for you building on that i think i saw a few people replying to your uh to your tweet about the article with mm-hmm. um hey you're in london why don't you come down to insert london club here i know the south london yeah. legion have stuck out an invite uh, yeah no a few the places london wargaming guild as well um and you know the, the short answer is i i have one figure maybe <laughs> coming down now <laughs> would be a a quick game um but no i i uh at, at the rate that i buy assemble and paint things uh i'm sure by 2030 i will have a full army and be uh taking it to to 4k events in the in the short term like i say i do want to do kill team and i if if i if i manage to put together a 
kill team squad i absolutely will be at one of the london the london nights because that's that's one of the things that most appeals to me the community yeah I, um, the community side yeah. of it i uh the the single hobby i've got most into in my life was the fantasy flight games uh living card game netrunner android netrunner oh, which i which is is dearly departed now uh wizards of the coast pulled the license and oh, really? it did shut they, down did they? yeah oh, yeah no it was didn't even realize that yeah no it was uh big sad news in i think october last year maybe earlier um yeah the 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 net the netrunner license was pulled for fantasy flight uh no one expected it including fantasy flight and the game is dead there is nothing more being released for it uh it's it's kind of you know as as this sort of hobby does as uh, like uh one fantasy battle is similarly that there, there there are people keeping it alive in a sort of zombie state but it, it's no longer being supported by any manufacturers but yeah no, and, I, and as a living card game that's a fairly you know exactly exactly with no new cards coming out of it the better stagnates the the reason why people play it drops away and it, it's it's on its last legs yeah. but in its heyday i uh i played it every thursday in a, a pub in london bridge and made some lifelong friends from it and you know the the best case scenario of all of this is is that I hope the same thing might happen with Warhammer. Yeah. Well, there we go. That, that's. I think that's that's an absolute like gem of a kind of concept is that you know the friends that you make whilst playing toy soldiers is you know I, I mean what's that's that the reason with for some it. really close friends. I like I go I go around their houses like not to play Warhammer. You know <laughs> I know that if I'm ever in uh, you know X city, I can probably ring up someone or Twitter someone and say, "Oh, hey, do you want to go for a beer?" and and it not be really awkward and only talk about Warhammer. You know, there are some genuinely lovely people out there who I'm very very close with who I wouldn't have met were you know, but for Warhammer. Exactly. That that that's the glory of not just Warhammer of tabletop gaming. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like we're getting very very happy. <laughs> we should cuddle each other over the airwaves. Um. So you mentioned that there are a few armies out there that you you know you don't recognize are there any any models well in fact let's let's rewind a bit what models did you really really love that weren't necrons uh when you left the hobby last that you know what was the kind of, as a as a young kid that you really really wanted that you could never have or couldn't afford oh i'm, I'm afraid so i i was a i was a a enough of a dedicated necron player that i uh i i was just purely obsessed with getting a monolith one day which i i, I never ever did even even then they were nearing on 100 pounds um but b i i cannot overstate how how cash strapped i was most of the time my my best hope the thing i dearly wanted was just another necron squad just you know something to take me from uh two squads in an hq to a slightly larger army <laughs> Uh, well, there's now a tesseract vault, which is like a monolith on steroids. I saw the one, the one that split open. And yeah, has buddy. A, uh, Transcendence uh, Kazan um, inside. Kazan, yes, yeah. That that looked like a thing. Uh, that I like. There was a certain appeal in just going full blown. Let's jump back in where I left off and and starting a Necron army. But I I did want to try something new. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds like a good idea. So if that's what you, you know, monolith would be cool, but, you know, realistically as a kid, you know, just buying another squad would be cool. What new models have caught your eye since getting back in? 
Um, so I think that the big one is not Inari, but uh, is said is is that it? The 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 new god. Um, oh yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, that, that ties. Well, exactly, and that that I think was both lovely from a. Uh, it, it, it's an absolutely amazing model. The the um, painting of it is fantastic. I like what it lets you do with uh, an elder army, and I I think it's you know interesting to have another god in the chaos pantheon. Uh, I, I'm I'm really curious to see where that goes. Oh, the the Incarn, the avatar of. Inerid. There we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes. An, an, Inerid, yes. Yeah, that's right. It's an it's an elder god, isn't it? And it's the yeah, uh, yeah. It kind of came out in the Gathering Storm, the kind of the transition between the last edition and this edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to because they haven't really fleshed out the like you know the reborn. They haven't really exactly. You know, they're they're in this index, and that's that's a great example. The fact that. Um, you know, you said, where on earth can I actually find these rules? And they're in, yeah. they are in uh, Index 1, but that just means they're waiting for their codex. Yeah. So we all know that at some point in the future, the Inari, as a, I reckon, as a, they're going to get a whole codex, probably new new models, um, you know, whether it's this year or next year. But th- that's just a that's just a whole, whole new, like, awesome opportunity to do something really, really cool and a little bit different with with an eldari race exactly um no like that that i'm 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 excited about like already i've got i've got something to look forward to something to be excited about uh yeah i mean in the meantime it'll be pick up one small kill team and <laughs> assemble a painting i've got i've got to remember that my uh not not to let my ambition outstrip my actual capability and space and wallet uh, so that's that's not something I've yet managed to get get a handle on, but uh, I, I I think I can sympathise. So I guess one last final question uh, before mm-hmm. we uh, we we let you crack on. Um, you've been flicking. Through, you've got an Eldari Codex. You've got your first model, mm-hmm. the Eldari mm-hmm. Autark. Mm-hmm. What craft world are they going to be from? Uh, so this one I do have an answer, but I am after a whole podcast of having mangled names i'm actually going to <laughs> i can hear flick. you flicking away <laughs> you can hear me flick through the codex it's to... craft world i am going to pick as he desperately looks is, is... Ulfwe. oh brilliant Oop. excellent um because a uh i think uh I, 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 darker rather than bright primary colors is is my aesthetic yeah uh, <laughs> and uh b you gotta love death obsessed goths Oh yeah, in any yeah. Black in Guardians. any forty k army, exactly. You know, Eldrad Ulthron's got a lovely new model. Uh, you know, you can do like Seer Councils. Yeah, that's a very cool theme. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I don't want to sound too aesthetic obsessed, but it it, it is broadly an aesthetic judgment. Uh, and and do you know what? That's that's like that's kind of that's what we're all about. It's all about mm-hmm. theme, about narrative, about aesthetics. It's it's that tiny little snippet. I once started a whole Ultrarines army purely because I loved the tyrannic war veterans. And I started, <laughs> you know, I bought like five boxes of them and just run them a stern guard. And I kind of converted like a librarian to have his head plugged into it, an old, uh, like a dead uh, tyrannid hive tyrant based off a sketch that uh, like someone like Jez Goodwin did yonks ago. And it was just all about that kind of like, these are the kind of last surviving veterans of a of the tyrannic wars uh 
and, and it was just just one set of models you know a set of four Perfect. metal models that started an all, whole army and I, so oh. yeah you're uh yeah you're, you're you're linked in with the kind of the ashes of the imperium <laughs> style of the hobby exactly and uh yeah like we'll see maybe maybe in two years time i'll come on again to talk about my 2000 point Ulfway army look forward to it look forward to it well <laughs> Alex, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, no worries, Dan. Yeah, it's been great. It's great to hear someone else has got back into the hobby. Um, if do you want to do any shout outs for like Twitter handles or uh, anything like that? Uh, well, I mean, my, my Twitter handle is Alex Hearn. Uh, you can find me there and, and give me hints about how best to go from one toe gently in the water to full submersion. Excellent. And as always, if you want to get hold of the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, we are at AOTI40K. And of course, we'll always respond to emails at uh, ashesoftheimperium at gmail.com. So, Alex, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Dan. And uh, happy hobbying to all our listeners. (laughs) Yes.